You happy to be in church? Are you sitting next to someone good today? Yes? Hey, you meant to say yes to that. Come on. You happy with your choice? Fantastic. Hey, what an honor it is uh, to be with you guys at One Heart Church today. And uh, love your church. Love being in Port Lincoln. I had probably the scariest flight of my life over yesterday, which was very exciting. They were fighting with the headwinds when we were hitting the runway. So it's always an exciting time we come to Port Lincoln. And, uh, but it's so good to be with you guys today. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm really believing that God wants to speak to us today, that He has a word in season uh, for One Heart Church. I certainly haven't come here just to, you know, share a few thoughts today. Whenever uh, I say yes to speaking somewhere, it's not because I don't have something better to do, but it's because I feel like God has an assignment for me to be here this weekend. So I'm gonna preach strong to you today. I'm gonna preach to you like you're my own church. I'm not a guest speaker today. We're gonna speak as one of the family because I believe that God's really stirring something in Port Lincoln that He wants all of us to be a part of today. So I'm gonna say amen. Uh, I'll show you a little picture of who I left behind before I get into the message today. This is my little family uh, on a picnic the other day. It's my wife and three kids covered in Vegemite. Isn't that just beautiful? And uh, so two years ago, we had twins. That's Leo and Shiloh on the left there. And so, and then on the, the right here, that's Gabriel, our four-year-old. And uh, so we have, we have three kids under four in our household at the moment. It's a total zoo. So please pray for my wife who is uh, trying to keep them under control currently while I'm here. And uh, that's Hannah. We've been married for six years now, believe it or not. And uh, we're absolutely loving it. We grew up in a place called Murray Bridge, which is about an hour uh, and a bit out of Adelaide. We moved to the city uh, just a little under three years ago now and uh, pioneered a church just uh, on O'Connell Street there, um, north of the CBD and uh, also get to lead Youth Alive. We just love what God's doing in the generations across our state. Aren't you glad to be part of a generational church? Aren't you glad that the best days of a church are still ahead of us and not behind us? And um, I love that you have pastors here, leaders here, a team here, that's not just building for one generation, but it's building generationally. And that I believe One Heart Church, come on, the best days of this church are still ahead. We're gonna continue to see amazing things happen for years to come in this region. Port Lincoln hasn't even seen yet, come on, the full potential of what God actually wants to do here. And I know that this church is full of people who love this city, who love this region, and who are committed to seeing God do something amazing. Uh, speaking of committed people, can we take a moment just to honor your pastors, Rob and Pauline, for just being amazing, faithful leaders. And uh, I, do, I do feel really honored to speak for you this morning, Pastor Robin. Uh, just during the worship time, I just felt this, uh, it was a phrase come to me in the worship before I get in the message that I want to share with you today. And this is what it was, is that there was a sift before the shift. And I feel like there is a, a shift of season coming, a shift of soul winning, a shift of disciple making, and that the sift that has happened uh, in the previous months, God says, was to prepare you for a shift that is about to hit this church, a shift that is about to hit this region, a shift that is going to move out from here and not just touch Port Lincoln, but the surrounding towns and regions as well. And God is raising up, I feel, uh, a whole new set of armor bearers are going to start coming through. People uh, who previously may have taken a back seat, I see in the next season a shift of coming to the front seat. I see in the next season that God 
God is about to shift things and that this season, this year even, where there's been like a, a phase or a feeling like there's pandemic and all this stuff going on that would inhibit growth, I feel like the next 24 months are going to be the greatest season, come on, of growth, of soul winning, of revival, come on, that has been seen in this church previously. There's a sift before the shift and... Um, and God's really about to do something. I really feel that today. And haven't you got a great worship team? Man, such a touch of the Prince of God. I really want to uh, share with you, uh, Pastor Rob told me before I came that you guys have really been uh, digging into a theme this year around the Great Commission and God's heart for us to be seeing our friends and family come to know Christ. I love what Pastor Josh prayed this morning around stirring and believing and praying for people uh, who we don't, who haven't yet come to know Jesus to know Jesus. And who knows, that's our mission on the earth. And God's been doing a real work in our church uh, really over this year of just focusing in on the Great Commission. We lead a, a church in Adelaide called Nova Church. It's two years old. It's about as old as our children. So also please pray for us because we have two two-year-old children and then a two-year-old spiritual child and stuff's crazy. But uh, we've really felt just God, God's heart, not just for Nova Church, not just for One Heart Church, but I really believe it's something that God is speaking to the capital C, broader church at the moment, which is really just getting back to the reason that the church exists and not complicating what Jesus gave us, not trying to add extras onto what He gave us, but really to be centered around the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus' last words He spoke to us, I believe as a church should be our first priority, that God's heart is that the church would be a soul-winning family of God, that we're not just here to kind of have our nice coffee on a Sunday and hold hands and sing Christian Kumbaya with tears in our eyes, that's all nice, but that we're meant to be mobilized towards action. And, uh, and I love gathering on a Sunday, but I hope you know that the church is not the gathering. The gathering is when we come together to celebrate what God's done, but God's heart is not just that you're in church, but that you are being the church and that you're living as the church the other six days of the week. Uh, what good is it is if we come to church for an hour on a Sunday, but forget what God's called us to do every other day of the week. The church gathering, is so important, but it's when we scatter and when we go out that we're actually called to live out this thing that Jesus has imparted to us. So this is what Jesus said, Matthew 28, 19. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And by the way, that's not just for missionaries. I think a lot of Christians have chucked this on the missionaries and said, hey, good job, missionaries. You go out there. No, we're all called to be missionaries. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying in the Great Commission, I've left this mandate. I've left this mission for every believer. It is this, to see souls saved and disciples made. Save souls, make disciples. That's pretty well it. And the reason, family of God, that you're still here and not in heaven is because God has a mission for you on the earth. You know, when you got saved, you got born again. The Bible says that your spirit was made new. You were redirected from an eternity of separation with God in hell to, a, to a, an eternity walking with God in heaven. And there's a reason why God left you on the earth. It's because He has something for you to do here. If the goal of life was just to get saved, then you would have got sucked up into heaven the moment you got saved. But the reason you're here is because He has commissioned you. It's a co-mission. It's a mission we're on together to see people who don't know Jesus come to know Him and come to find Him. And I gotta be honest with you, somewhere along the way of church history, we started reducing 
the Great Commission to an hour on a Sunday and we outsourced it to our pastor and said, you go ahead and get people saved. But that's not the scripture. That's not the word of God. Their pastor actually is probably gonna see the least people saved out of all of you because we do so much work in the church of equipping the saints. No, the greatest soul winners aren't actually the people who are holding a microphone. Biblically speaking, the greatest soul winners are the people of God in their workplaces, out with their families, in their schools, living out the great commission. Biblical Christianity is a world-changing Christianity. That's the biblical Christianity. I, listen, I love this scripture because it describes what the, the world thought of the first Christians. And if you want to know the kind of impact they were having on the world, all you have to do is look at this scripture. It says this in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. The haters of the church describing the early believers, this is what it says. These men who have turned the world upside down have now come here also. They're describing the very first believers, the very first church as world changes. In other words, normal Christianity is when your faith changes the world. Abnormal Christianity is when the world changes your faith. Normal Christianity begins to see environments that we're in changed and reached with the gospel and the power of God. And I gotta tell you, church, we have in so many ways over the last kind of couple of hundred years, the world has kind of crept into our thinking rather than our thinking getting into the world. And I'm not talking about the world's come into the church. We got modern songs now, we got lights. That's not the world coming into the church. That's the church reaching the world. What I'm talking about is when the church becomes insular, becomes small, forgets that there's a world full of lost people out there we need to reach. Come on, somebody, we gotta have a, an edge to our faith that's a world-changing faith. Normal Christianity is when your faith changes the world. Jesus called his first disciples, right? And we're gonna read about this in Luke chapter five. And he called them to a life of reaching others. Yeah, people think sometimes spiritual maturity is when I'm healed of everything and I'm fully transformed and I'm just so spiritual that I'm basically levitating into church. And, and I don't think that's maturity. In fact, in fact, when Jesus had discipled the 12 disciples for the longest, what did he do? He gave them the commission. In other words, you know you've reached maturity in your faith when your faith starts becoming about others. And so Jesus, when he's calling the disciples, says this to them in Luke chapter five, verse four to 11. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. And when they'd done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish that were so full that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' uh, knees saying, go away from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For all he and his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon Peter. Jesus said to Simon, have no fear, from now on you will be catching men. 
after they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. That's Jesus becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. What was Jesus saying with this catch of fish? Why did God care so much about Peter getting a great catch of fish? It's not because he wanted Peter to have a full belly. It's because he was looking at Peter and he was saying, I wanna illustrate to you in this moment what your life is meant to look like. Your life is a vessel, it's a boat. And that boat is a vessel that was designed to be used by God to see people come to know Jesus and not just a couple of dribs and drabs. Your life, Peter, is gonna be the kind of life that overflows with people coming to know me for the first time. And when you reach maturity in your faith, when I send you out, your life is going to be a model. Your boat is gonna be filled to overflowing with people coming to know Jesus. Come on, who wants to see this church filled to overflowing with people coming to know Jesus. Who was ready for the day? Come on, when there's no more seats at the side of the auditorium, when walls are getting pushed back, when people are getting saved at a level that we've never seen before. I long for that. I'm praying for you. I'm believing for that in your church. So Jesus is saying, how you just use your boat is how I wanna use your life. What just happened with those fish is going to start happening with people. And I prophesy that today over this church, over your life, that God wants to use the boat of your life to reach people for Jesus in a way that you've never seen before. The title of my message today is simply this, will you bring your boat? Will you bring your boat? Jesus gave Peter a word. He said, let down your nets, there's gonna be a catch. And Peter said, yes. And the moment he said yes, God started moving these fish at an unbelievable rate into Peter's boat. Now, what's the first thing that happened was that Peter had to call on those around him to bring their boats to be able to contain the catch that God wanted to bring in. And can I tell you today, just as Peter needed other people around him to bring their boats in order to contain the catch, your pastors need a church, a congregation full of people who are willing to bring their boats together in order to see the catch come to place. Can I tell you today, the catch isn't gonna come because Pastor Rob's an amazing preacher, although he is. The catch isn't gonna come because Pastor Josh has got some more good jokes he can rattle off on the microphone on a Sunday morning, although he does have very good jokes. No, the catch is gonna come when believers come together and say, I'll bring my boat, I'll bring my boat, I'll bring my boat boat, let's join our forces together and actually see God do something great in this city. So I'm just wondering today, is there anyone at One Heart Church who would say, I'm ready to bring my boat? And this is what struck me when I read this story just recently, it really hit me, was that I realized that there was no lack of willing fish. Like the fish weren't the problem. The fish were literally jumping into those nets at a rate that could not be contained. Think about that. There was no fish problem. It wasn't like Peter was in a bad spot of the lake and Jesus said, hey, just, you know, there's no fish here. You gotta move over there. That's where the fish were. No, no, the fish were unbelievably willing, right? The problem wasn't a lack of fish. The problem was a lack of available boats. There was no shortage of willing fish. There was a shortage of available boats. I think most Christians today think we have a fish problem. 
Now, I'm going I'm to push you and challenge you a little bit this morning. I hope that's okay. Because I think sometimes we can, not, we can excuse ourselves for not reaching people by making excuses like this. Oh, people just don't really want to hear about Jesus anymore. Like we're the first generation in the entire history of the world that has people who don't want to hear about Jesus. Like let's not give our generation that much credit. But we say, oh no, no people, people just don't want to hear the message of Jesus anymore. Really? You think the Romans wanted to hear it? People, people they, just, they just don't want to come to church anymore. They're too busy on Sundays now. Do you think that like we're the first generation who had to have other priorities? But sometimes I think we convince ourselves out of talking to people about our faith by convincing ourselves that there's a fish problem. But Jesus would push back against that and say, uh-uh, there ain't a problem with willing fish. There's a problem with available boats. Christians willing to make their lives available to share the message of Jesus. Like, I don't know what Bible you're reading, but my Bible says, look up at the fields, they are ripe for harvest. Jesus says, it isn't that there's a harvest problem. What does he say? Pray for the workers to be raised up to go into the harvest. He says, we don't have a harvest problem, we have a worker problem. We don't have a fish problem, we have a boat problem. He says, people want what you've got, but will my church stand up at such a time like this, in such an unstable, pandemic-ridden world that we live in right now, will the church of Jesus Christ begin to stand up and say, yes, we have a message. Yes, we believe in it. Yes, people need to hear about it. Let's make our boats, come on, available. God is waiting on our boats. Jesus will bring the fish, but we must bring our boats. So the first thing I want to uh, encourage you in today, number one is this, is that you've got to make your boats available. Make your boats available. This bay where they were fishing was a, a known fishing area in the region. So in all likelihood, there was many boats there. But only two of them were available to be used to haul in this catch. And I think when we come to church on Sunday, there's so many, if we think of our lives here, all of us, are boats that are ready to be used by God. But the question isn't, do we have a boat? The question is, is the boat of your life available? You haven't just got a boat, you got a big boat. Just turn to the person next to you and tell them, you got a big boat. Like, your boat, huge. You got a big boat, right? The question, <laughs> the question is, is that boat available? Your boat isn't available just because you come to church on a Sunday. I'm asking you, is your boat available on the other six days of the week, not for more church programs and activities, not for more ministries to be started, but for you to be spending time with people who desperately need the God that is living on the inside of you? I want to ask you today, how many coffees are you sipping with Christians versus lost people? How many holy huddles are you having in your home with other believers? Or how many conversations are you having with lost people? When you go to work, are you just trying to get out of there as soon as you can? Or are you seeing your lunch break as an opportunity to spend time with people and love people and share the grace of God with people? When you go to school, are you just going to school? Or are you realizing today that you've been possessed? 
positioned in that school for a time and a purpose and a season and a reason. And that God wants to use you there. Come on, somebody. We've got to make our boats available for what God wants to do. And I think a lot of Christians, I'm, not, I'm preaching to the choir here. You're like, yes. Like if I, if I said, okay, hands raised, who wants to see 100 more people saved at One Heart Church this year? Like I'm pretty sure 99% of your hands would go up without hesitation. So the problem isn't that we don't want to. I think the problem is, is that we often think we're disqualified to. I'm afraid to talk about my faith because I don't, I'm, I don't know the Bible very well. I'm afraid to, to, to share Jesus with people because, man, my life is still a mess. I'm afraid to, to have a conversation because, because I don't know what I'd say. Oh, this is what struck me about this story when, when Peter signals the other guys to bring the boats over to help with the catch. You know, they didn't come over with the boats and Peter's like, hey, before you bring your boat over, boat inspection. Oh, let me just make sure your boat's all polished and make sure it's all good enough. Let's make sure it's all, hey, have you got your boat license? Have you trained to bring this boat? No. No, Peter was like, I'm not looking for Polish boats. I'm not looking for qualified boats. I'm not looking for boats who know it all, who have every answer. I'm just looking for available boats. And I want to encourage you today. You may not have been to Bible college. You might not have all the knowledge. You might not be able to rebut every argument. Here's the thing. People might be able to argue with your knowledge, but they can't argue with your testimony. They can't argue with your story. They can't argue with what God did in your life. So come on, church. We've got to be willing to be available. And not just polished. The second thing we've got to do is we've got to actually make room in our boat. We've got to make room in our boat. I think for some of us, the problem isn't that our boat isn't available. It's that our boat is available, but it's too full. Jesus used my boat to change the world, but maybe there's no room in your boat. I've got a few boys who are going to come and help me with this illustration. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about today. Because I just want to give you a visual illustration. Because... Because we've agreed on something this morning, right, church? We have agreed that there is not a fish problem. Have we agreed on that scripturally? So if there's not a fish problem, maybe there's a different problem. Because who knows that life can get full, right? You're talking to a dad here with three kids under four. We're running two organizations. My life is full, okay? That, that's true. But God doesn't give us degrees and, and badges and trophies for how busy our lives are. He says, I want you to be fruitful. I left you here for the purpose of the Great Commission. And so what happens is our life can get so full. So we've got, we got family priorities, got all these things in our boat and, and you need that. It's got to be in the boat. It's going to happen. So often we've got work and we've got all these things in our boat. And then we've got, you know, the 15 coffee catch-ups with Christians every week that are in our boat. And then here's what happens. Is you've got this poor lost soul over here Please pray for Josh. He, I'm really believing soon he's going to come to the Lord. He's, we got hope for him, don't we, Pastor Rob? He's, he's, he's doing very well. Anyway, but let's, let's, just, let's imagine for a Josh is representative of the people in your life that God wants you to share the gospel with, share his goodness with. And, and he's actually got willingness on the inside of him. And some of you don't believe that, but I think people are way more willing than we think they are. And... And Josh goes, so, so Josh goes, I want to come, I want to I I get into your boat, I want to come into your life. And the problem is, is God brings these people into our life, but there's no room. And so sometimes God says, I need you to actually 
dial back some of your Christian activity so that you can make room in your boat for the desperate people who actually need to hear the gospel. The best criticism we've had at Nova Church this year is Nova Church is all about the loss. I said, yes, you would have hated Jesus' church because Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. The healthy don't need a doctor, the sick do. And so God says, can you make some room in your life for the people that need to hear the message that you are carrying? Come on, let's thank God for these awesome young men of God today. We gotta make room in our boat. We gotta make room in your boat. Some of you need to cut back some hours so you can make room in your boat. Some of you need to start spending your lunch times intentionally at work so you can make room in your boat. Some of you need to stop taking off so early after church and actually look for new people on a Sunday and say, welcome, I'm so glad you're here. I just got this conviction, Pastor Rob, that I say all the time, I know, but I'm like, people have built up the courage to come to our church for the first time and we don't talk to them. There is something fundamentally wrong with the church because the church was not designed to be a Christian clique for Christian karaoke. It was designed to be a place that people who don't know Jesus can come and find him. I know I'm going hard to say, but I just feel like you're, we're family. Number three is you've got to make a move with your boat. Make a move with your boat. I remember when I first noticed Hannah, my wife, you know, before we were dating, she loved God. She's beautiful. She's a worship leader. I was like, my God, if I don't make a move on this girl, I'm going to lose her. And so I made a decision to ask her out. Rest is history. Come on, baby. Here's the thing. Sometimes you just got to make a move. Sometimes you don't know what's in you until you make a move. It wasn't enough for Peter's boat to be available wasn't even enough for his boat to have room. He had to make a move with his boat. He had to move the boat. And here's the thing. God didn't move those fish until Peter moved his boat. We're waiting for the fish to move. We're waiting for people to ask us about our faith. We're waiting for people to say, I would love to come to your church. They're probably not gonna ask that. We're not gonna wait for people to move. No, the people of God are called to take the initiative and lead the move. God's saying, I'm waiting for a church. I'm waiting for a people who will make a move. Move your boat this week and start showing people the love of God. Move your boat this weekend and invite someone to one of your small group hangs. You have a coffee catch up with three Christians, but don't you dare have it without first extending an invitation to someone who doesn't know Jesus. So often we think inviting people to church is about inviting people to a service. The service might be the last place they come. Maybe they've been hanging out with you and your friends from church for the last four weeks, so by the time they come to a service, they already know 12 people. We've got to start thinking like this. Fishing boats were built for fishing. And if they stay in the harbour, nothing wrong with it, but that's not what they were built for. We were built, family of God, to see the world changed. I, lo I love this quote from John Shedd, it's awesome. It says, a ship in the harbour is safe, but that's not what ships are made for. What's for Sunday gathering? It's the harbour. 
We come back to harbour to get refreshed, but we're not made for the harbour. God's plan for your life is not for you to sit in church services forever. Come to church, gather every Sunday, be faithful, give, serve, build the house of God, but then leave the harbour and begin to win people to Jesus. You were made to change the world in Jesus' name. And why don't we stand to our feet all across this place today. I'm really believing today that God's gonna speak to people. God's gonna mobilize His church. I believe over this next season that there's gonna be a great season of soul winning and people coming to faith in Christ for the first time at One Heart Church. I believe that God wants to use you. I believe that you're called for such a time as this, that the people you know need your makeup, your giftings, your talent, your ability, not someone else's. And that God wants to use you for His mission in the earth. Let's come on today, all across this place. If you say, God, today, just with our eyes closed, God, today, I make my boat available to you again. God, today, I pray that you would show me where I have settled for the comfort of the harbour and that you would send me out. Give me the courage to be the person that you're calling me to be. Give me the courage, God, to step out, to serve the people of our city and to follow you again in Jesus' name. So if that's you today and you're saying, God, I make my boat available. God, I pray that you would use me to a new level, to a greater capacity. And you'd say that today, come on, why don't we lift our hands to heaven and let's receive today an impartation from heaven, a fresh shift of God over this church today that God will begin to raise up an army in Port Lincoln of those who will see souls saved, disciples made, cities won and nations changed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray today, Lord, would you raise up an army of believers? Would you raise up those with available boats? Would you raise up those who would say, God, use me again. I'm sorry where I haven't made room. I'm sorry where I haven't been available. Make me available for the purposes of God and your great commission in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's just sing this out for a